How's everybody feeling this morning? I'm glad it's at least cooler in here than it is outside these walls. Man, it is crazy out there. This morning as I was um, in my bedroom, I'm just, like, just standing still and just drips were just like pouring off of me. It's killer in there. And that's with an AC in the house. <laughs> um, this morning I'm, I'm really grateful to have an opportunity to talk about this. Um, the Lord has kind of put something on my heart. It's kind of interesting. It's along the lines of giving and receiving. How many of you guys have heard the scripture or the saying that goes, um, it's more blessed to give than receive? Giving is all throughout the scripture, right? From, from beginning to end, it's all in there. But this morning, this morning we're going to talk about the lesser blessing, if you want to call it that. This morning we're going to talk about receiving. A lot of us have a hard time receiving, accepting, because we stand and we say, oh, I'm all, I'm all good, I'm self-sufficient. Where the Lord is trying to pour in in abundance, he's trying to offer to us more and more, and yet we say, I'm good, I'm good, don't need it, I'm all set, I'm all set. We shut the door of God's provision because we don't know how to receive. This morning, the Lord is, is really... He's been working on me throughout this week, and it's, it's, it's a matter of accepting that which he has prepared specifically for you. But before we get into there, let's open up to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, and we're going to start reading in verse 16. I get to experience a little bit of this myself this week. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Sly on Monday was actually in a car accident, um, right over here on West Main Road. And uh, thank God that she was okay. She has just a little bit of back pain that's been uh, getting a little bit better the past day or so, um, but it's still kind of touch and go. But someone was driving down, down West Main and just, just plowed right into her and actually pushed her into the car in front of her. So she kind of had like a double impact like this. And um, So she immediately, she was, she was coming to pick me up at the store. She was about 20 seconds away. So she called me right away. I ran down the street, and I was there within 60 seconds to see, you know, it was just the mess of the wreck that was there on, on the street. And she was taken in the ambulance to Newport Hospital, and, and I followed. And, you know, I just started um, messaging a couple um, close family and friends just to let them know what was happening. And instantly, we were inundated with, okay, what do you need? What can I give you? How many people are with you? And the, the, the help started pouring in. Like somebody was at the hospital with a food for everyone who was there before we even had the chance to leave the emergency room. So we, literally like a dozen people have come together and provided like meals so she doesn't have to be on her feet cooking and helping. And to me, this was so, it was special and it was a learning experience for me because it's like giving and receiving is not so much, it's not a transaction but it's opportunity to, to grow deeper bonds. One, one person that stepped forward and brought us, he went to the restaurant and brought us a bunch of food, was someone that was a new friend, just happened to text me that day. He's like, hey, are we still going to get together? And I'm like, you know, things are kind of up in the air because we're at the hospital right now. And instantly he's like, how many people are with you? I'm bringing food. Just like, just like this. And I'm thinking, man, this, this is what it's like to be a community of believers. When we see a need... We fill a need. And you know, it's so funny because often the go-to is, um, how can I help you? What, do you? what do you need? That's the go-to. And then, of course, the natural response is, oh, I'm all set. 
But if we stop and, and, and say, okay, what do you need? Well, put, let's put myself in their shoes. And this is what he did. He said, I'm bringing food. How many people do you need? This is what you think. Because, our, of course, we're going to say, oh, no, we'll all set. We'll figure it out as we go. But he went, he went, he went beyond. He went a little bit further and said, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there. And so he came and he brought the food. And now we're able to sit down. And this time where we're going through this, this tragedy, we're actually bonding with people. And, and, and hearts are being encouraged and strengthened. And everything was, was, it was so beautiful the way that the Lord provided like that. And this is how he provides. This is how he gives us opportunity to grow deeper connection through the giving and receiving, as long as we don't short-circuit the process. Let's look at Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 16. And it says this. Hold up. It's kind of dark up there. It says this. Jesus is he's telling a parable. He's at a, he's at a dinner, and he's telling all of the, the, the guests this parable. He says, a certain man was preparing a banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything's ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I have to go see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly onto the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still more room in the, in the house. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Lord, um, I thank you so much that you, just like this, this banquet master, you have prepared good things to bless and honor and provide for, for each one of us. We thank you for this and for the invitation that you give to us daily, Lord God, and we wake up and rise out of the bed to experience these blessings. Help us, Lord God, to have a heart to receive and to move towards you, to accept that invitation and dine with you and commune with you, Lord, each and every day. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. See, this concept of, uh, of giving and receiving is so much more than just the gift. It's not about what is being transferred so much as it is about the giver and the receiver. There's a connection that's being made there. Um, when Sly and I first met, matter of fact, one of, the, one of the first times that we hung out, she actually invited me over the house. I was 21 years old, right, living at college, and she invited me over her house, and she cooked a meal for me. And so I sat down at, at this dinner table, and it was this delicious chicken, it, well, chicken and rice and beans, a typical Puerto Rican dish, right? And it was amazing. I said, here I am living at college. I had just moved out of my house recently. I'm like, I could, I could live with this. <laughs> I said, this is nice. And so I did decide to live with it. 
And so this is just kind of how she was raised. That's her, her family culture and everything. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful as t- today as much as I was the very first day. But now what happens from time to time, or more often maybe than I'd like to admit, is when she's preparing the meal at night and it's all ready to go and she calls everybody to the dinner table, Dad, all, everything's all set. Come and get it. Um, I'll be there in the middle of like a, hey, hey, buddy, what's up? Haven't seen in a while. Love you, man. No, I thought you weren't going to be here this morning. Um, she prepares a meal. She calls us all to the dinner table, and I'll be either working on a family project or reading or whatever, and say, okay, I'll be right there, and then forget about it for 15 minutes. And by the time I finally make it to the table, everything's cold, the family is half done, and, and now she's upset with me. And this is where I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm trying to finish something. This is for the house. Like, what, why, why are you so upset? Well, what I've come to learn as a husband is the amount of attention that is put, the detail that is put into this, and what I go to the table for 20 minutes after it's done is not what was there 20 minutes earlier. It was made a fresh, hot meal ready to serve, and 20 minutes later, it is just not the same quality. And me not responding to the invitation when it's given, it's not, about, it's not about the meal. It's you know that the preparation is being done. Now it's time. Now it's ready to come receive. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there. Please excuse me. And by the time you're there, it's, just, it's almost like um, a disrespect to the invitation that has been given. And so, see, I've come to learn this over the years. It's only take me, taken me 15 years, right? <laughs> So this is a little bit about what the Lord is describing in this parable when he's talking to the Pharisees. To give you a little bit of context, it says that he's, he's sitting at a table. He went to the house, a very high-ranking religious leader, high-ranking Pharisee, it says, and they're actually at a feast. Someone prepared a banquet for them, invited them in, and so now they're partaking. And he decides to tell them this parable about a banquet that was prepared. And so he says that they go out, this, this banquet master, he has all these things, he, and he lets them know in advance, just like you would for a wedding or any special occasion, hey, we want, it, we want you to be part of this. Don't miss out. Save the date. So he's making all the provisions. It's all getting ready. And then he tells his servants when it's all ready to go, go and invite them in. Tell them it's ready. It's all set. And then one by one, the people that he had already invited, that already knew that this was happening, that had accepted this invitation, at least in word, one by one, oh, please excuse me, I'm, I'm busy. I have a field I have to go look at because it's not going to be there tomorrow, <laughs> right? I have oxen I just bought. I have to go inspect them. One by one, they're giving him these excuses and basically rejecting the invitation that they were given and going back on their word because they had accepted it even to begin with. It's really a story when we step back and we look at it. This is a story of giving and receiving, or really a giving and rejection as far as these, these people that were invited. And this is what really the whole gospel story is all about. It's all about God offering himself to us. Since the, the first sin, right, there was a connection that we had with the Lord that was broken. And the rest of the gospel story from Genesis to Revelation is all the story about Jesus working and giving himself to us to bring back that connection. Giving and receiving is about connection. It's about coming together. This is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to come with him. He's made the provisions. He's offering it to us. And all that we 
must do is accept. But it's not a passive thing that we do. It's not something that we do and we sit in our seats and say, yes, thank you. We accept it and then we move towards it. I look at it this way. Giving is the initiating action. It's the invitation, right? And now the response is moving, accepting, accepting the invitation, walking through the door and taking your seat at the table. This is the giving and receiving. It's coming together. But now the ball is in our court now. The gospel story is about Jesus giving himself to us. Now we decide, will we receive or will we reject that connection? Will we remain distant from God? There's a story that was told about a man who was living in the city. I don't remember what city it was. But every day he would walk to work and on his way there he would pass a newspaper stand. And because this was like his daily routine, he'd stop there, he'd get his paper, chat it up with the, with the, uh, the salesman, the newspaper salesman a little bit, and then go on to work. Well, as this went on for months and even years, they began to develop a relationship and they became friends, the salesman and then this guy that would was one of his customers. Every day they would chat, they would connect. And one day, as the man was passing the newspaper stand to go to work, he reached in his pocket and he realized that he didn't have, he didn't have money for the paper. So he realized this, and the, newspaper, the salesman said, oh, no, just, please, just take the paper. You're, you're my friend. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift. And the guy's fumbling around. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I don't, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. He, he continued to reject the gift to the point where he, he left the stand went to the ATM, took out money, and then went and paid for the newspaper and continued on his way to work. He's thinking, oh, I, I don't want to shortchange this guy. I want to be fair with him. Where the whole, the whole time, the salesman is offering him a gift and it was rejected. And so it wasn't about a transaction. It was about a gift. And that man, trying to be nice and pay for his own paper, he wasn't rejecting a gift as much as he was rejecting that man. See, when we reject a gift, we reject something that's being offered to you, you're not just rejecting what's being offered, you're rejecting the one making the offer. There's a disconnection there. There's, there's, a, there's a brokenness that, is, that it happens with that rejection. And so this is what's happening at the banquet. There's a refusal. So these people are refusing to come to the banquet. They're refusing association, relationship with this man. And, and it kind of gets even worse because this was a banquet of honor. So the banquet master invites people that he wants to offer and bless. Come, be my guest of honor. And they say, no, I'm too busy. They weren't just rejecting him. They were, they were taking him and saying, you honor me? I, I don't need that. What do you mean? What is this? Extremely disrespectful by saying, I don't have time to be honored by you. Yet more important things. See, giving is interesting because in, in one sense, it's really, it's an act of dominion. The Lord has given us things, be it resources, be it skills. He's given us an array of different things. And now it's yours to do what you would with it. You have jurisdiction over that. You have the ability to exercise dominion. Just like Adam was given dominion over the earth, and that was lost, but now redeemed through Jesus Christ, the things that he has given you, you and only you have the power to decide what you will do with it. Many times we try to say our circumstances are limiting us and holding us back. No, no, no. 
You have what you have, and you decide what you will do with it. You have dominion. No matter how limited or, or extreme it may be, you have dominion over the things that God has given to you. And so giving is an act of dominion. It's, it's deciding that we're going to take what God has given to us and bless others with these things. So the, this is exactly what we see in the, with the banquet master. He prepared the dinner. He took of all that he had. He, he slaughtered the animals. He prepared all the food. And then he offered it out. He's using his dominion with his things and choosing to give them away only for it to be rejected and thrown in his face. The book of Corinthians tells us that as believers, we are to be ministers now of, what is it, anyone? Reconciliation. We, people who have been reconciled, brought back to God, like that connection has been made, now our responsibility, our role is to be people that now reach out and continue to reconcile, bring people back in connection with God. We are ministers of reconciliation. And we have all of the gifts and provisions that we have, that we have dominion over, are to be used in order to bring reconciliation. As we give, we, in, we put that invitation out, just like the banquet master. We put it out. And it might be accepted and it might be rejected, but we're putting it out because we see what God's doing and we say, oh, he puts out the invitation. He initiates relationship. That's what I want to do. We're not, we're not giving to get, to get back. It's not a transaction, but we're giving because we see it's what God is doing. We're giving because I want to be connected to you. I want to bless you. I want to be in communi community with you. And so we even fulfill this ministry of reconciliation by exercising dominion over our things to, to heal connections that have been broken and to start new ones that haven't yet um, begun. There was an ancient society of, of monks, I believe it was over in the Middle East, and one of them had come down with a sickness. He was feeling under the weather, some kind of cold, nothing major. So one of, them, one of the monks in, in the commune heard about this and went out and purchased this nice fruit basket, grapes and bananas and apples and pears and all these things. And he went and he put it in this sick monk's cell. Well, as the, as the sick one entered and he found this gift here, he, he saw it and he was blessed by it. But he thought himself, I don't, I don't want to take this for myself. I'm going to bless somebody with this. It's been given to him. He has dominion over what he's going to do with it now. But rather than take it for himself, he said, I have now something to be, to be a blessing with. So what did he do? He went into the cell of another one of the monks and he put it there. Who then found it in his cell and did likewise. Found it and put it into another monk's cell. And this went on and on through each one of their cells until, wouldn't you know it, it made its right way right back to the original giver. And he found it here and he's like, untouched, untouched. Because each and every one of them, just they wanted to be a blessing. And so they received, now I have something to give. Now I can be a blessing to somebody. And so they turned it around. This was a community that was so dedicated to one another, so dedicated to be like Christ, that they were free will givers. Constantly, they have something, they give something. But now, if they rejected that gift, if any one of them rejected that gift, that, that cycle, that process would be short-circuited. The giving stops. Because they said, I will not receive this. I'm, I'm not worthy of it. I don't, I don't want this. You short-circuit the process. 
Not only are, are, are you not taking what's being given to you and has been prepared for you, now you're, you're refusing to take dominion over something and then use it to be a blessing. You just stopped the cycle of the gift and the reception. You just broke it. We can only give things that we have received. And that goes for all of us. In James, it tells us how all good gifts come from the Father of lights above. We all have these things, but now if we recognize it and we use these things to give, now we work towards building the kingdom together. And that's what we is most often talked about when we talk about giving and receiving. Oh, we need to be givers. Sure, yeah, we do. But you can't be a giver unless you first received. You, can't, you have nothing to give unless you first accepted it. See, I think for a lot of us, I think there are gifts and talents within us that we are not giving away because we haven't even acknowledged and accepted that it's there. We haven't given it attention and say, I, I recognize this in myself. I'm going to develop this and I'm going to, I'm going to use this to edify the body, to strengthen my brother and sister. There's these things in us we have to recognize and how important it is that we, we receive these things because receiving is, turns around and expi- inspires even more giving. When, we're, when someone blesses us, we want to turn around and bless others. Not, not necessarily even the person that, that provided because now it turns into a transaction. Oh, you give me this, now I give you this back. You give me a gallon of milk, I give you $3.99. It's trades. There's no, it's business. It's business, right? It's not relationship, it's transaction. This is not the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's the principle of giving and receiving. It's connection, coming together. I initiate, you accept and receive. We come together. That's what this is all about in the kingdom of God. And so really, receiving from God is an act of humility. It's acknowledging our stance before the Lord that he is our provider and everything that I have comes from him, and so I will accept it. I know that I have nothing without him, so I will accept everything that he does provide because without it, I have nothing to offer back. And in that same way, to reject, to reject a gift is an act of pride. If we refuse to receive things from God and from God's people, by the way, because this is how he will often give to us and bless us through his people, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, to reject that is not only prideful, but it stops us from giving. It puts a lid on what we are able to now give. You think of a, um, you take like a cup that you're pouring water into and you pour it so high, so high, it's getting fuller and fuller until it gets to the brim and then it begins to spill over. And as long as you're still receiving, it's spilling over and it's blessing and it's, it's, it's getting everything wet all around it. But you put a lid on that thing and that's stopped up. There's nothing more. It can't receive anything and it also can't give anything more. Giving and receiving is supposed to be this free-flowing thing. This is why it talks about in the scripture in one place, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. As quickly as you see a need, you just serve the need. You fill it. You're not thinking twice about it. It's now, it's a character, a characteristic of God that we develop. We see a need. We use what we have to fill the needs. Or we connect a need with a solution, with a resource. It's all about bringing reconciliation and coming back together. See, pride is a, a deception that we can be self-sufficient. Self-sufficient, in other words, alone. 
We weren't made to be alone. We weren't made to be self-sufficient. We were made to be in connection with God, and he is our sufficiency. And so any time that we move to say, I can take care of myself, that's good that you feel confident, but if you think you can take care of yourself outside of God and the people that he places in your life to provide, now we're stepping out of bounds. Now we're stepping outside of the dominion that he's given us and we're saying, I'm going to go out on my, on my own. And this is not his will. See, humility recognizes our dependence on God and it's a willingness to receive. Luke 6, 38 is that um, very well-known passage that talks about giving. I'll read it for you quickly and it says this. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. See, we look at this and we say, this is about, about giving, or we need to give. But we can't only give that which we have received. And why would, he, why would we, he give more to the one who gives more? Because we're freely giving as quickly as much as we receive, we're giving it out. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of seeing the world around us and knowing that we have the ability to contribute to those in need. In other words, as ministers of reconciliation, we have the ability and the power to bring needs and resources together, to bring the broken together with it, the healer, right? We are ministers of reconciliation, and we do this through our giving and receiving. A couple of years ago, I got to go to um, Jerusalem, got to go to Israel, and Jerusalem was one of the cities that we visited, of course. And the tour guide took us to um, the Mount of Olives, which when we go up to the Mount of Olives, you're able to kind of like look down and you can see um, kind of the outline of the eastern side of the city. And so as we're looking at it, we can see the wall of the old city. We can see uh, the dome of the, of the rock there, the Muslim, um, the Muslim dome there. And the uh, tour guide explained to us what exactly we were looking at. This whole eastern side of the wall has two gates in it. And the Muslim, um, the mosque is right inside the walls. And right out, outside the walls, opposite the, the mosque, is a Muslim burial ground. They made a cemetery there. And he said, yeah, you know why they made a cemetery there? He said, they did that intentionally because, because the Christians or the Jews, Messiah is, is said, is prophesied to return. And when he returns, he is going to return through the eastern gate. But now, for a Jew, going near dead bodies is unclean. You cannot do that. So what did the Muslims decide to do? They made a cemetery right outside the Eastern Gate so the, so the, so the Jews' Messiah cannot return for them. <laughs> so I, I looked at the tour, and I'm like, that's not very nice. That's kind of a jerk move. Like, come on, man. Like, so I thought of that because of this reason. I'm thinking about when we go back to what we started with, Acts 20.35, where it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we always saying it's, it can kind of turn into a prideful thing. We say, oh, we want to be, be a giver. It's more blessed to give than re receive. So I want to give. I want to be blessed more. But now if there's nobody to receive your gift, where does that leave you? And if you refuse to receive other people's gift, does that mean we're refusing to allow them the blessing, the higher blessing, 
because we won't accept the lesser. That's just a jerk move. God wants us, yes, to be givers. But we will be givers. We are enabled to be givers. We are empowered to be givers as we receive freely what he's given to us. Now, it's easy to receive blessing from God because we know our low position before God. He is God and we are not, right? But it's a lot harder to receive the provision from God when it's coming through your brother and sister. You say, oh, I don't want to inconvenience you. No, it's okay. I'm good. We'll, We'll make do. But God's trying to bless you. He's trying to invest in you. He wants you to accept what he's giving. If we say, no, 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 we're refusing the invitation that he's given of deeper connection. And what we find and what we will find as we continue to practice this out of giving and receiving with people is that it's not about transaction, but it actually brings us closer together. It actually sh- we begin to share life at a deeper level. Bonds are made as we come together in this way. We all have things to contribute Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about even just a short list about all of the gifts that every individual has. No one individual has them all, but all have some. And they have only that some because they're supposed to come together and we are one body. And so as one body, many people, if some people aren't here, we're incomplete. Or if we refuse to come together, we're incomplete. If we take a step towards self-sufficiency and say, okay, okay, it's good. I don't need to assemble with the believers any longer. I don't need to to be there at Bible study. I don't need to be there in my community group. It's a step towards self-sufficiency. I'm good. Not only are you withholding the body from your gifts, from who you are, the blessing of you, but you're also cutting off your supply. It's self-harm by not letting people into our lives. I'm going to close with this. Um, there was a pastor by the name of Gary Ballard, and a big part of his ministry was out in the Philippines. And there's a, there's a lot of places in the Philippines where there's extreme poverty and a lot of kids running the streets and who will go and without eating for days. So whenever he can, he, is, he and his wife will go and they want, to, they want to bless them, they want to feed the kids. And one day he did exactly that. They brought out some food and they're inviting all these children to come to the table so that they could feed them. And he said that there was this one little boy who refused to come to the table. He stayed far away and he wouldn't accept it. And he said, what, what's going on? He, didn't look, he looked disturbed. And the way that Gary describes it is that the Holy Spirit showed him that this boy, this young boy, was just overwhelmed by his kindness. And so in his you know, little, little boy thinking, he's, like, he's trying to show his gratitude or his thanks by giving back what, he, what Gary was trying to give him. So his way of not taking the food is saying, I'm, I'm giving it back to you. But as he's thinking, as Gary is processing this, and he's communing with the Holy Spirit, um, he, he's reminded, man, it's more blessed to give than receive, but this boy won't, he won't receive. So it saddened him. He wanted to bless him. He wanted to serve him. He's like, ah, you won't accept it. And then he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, now you know how I feel. Our dad wants to bless us. Our father wants to bless us. And the blessings are there. The gifts and the provision is being offered out. So it's not about, oh God, please bless. You are blessed. Provision is and will continue to come. But we have to accept it. We have to receive it. It saddens him when we don't, because why? It's not about the gift, remember? 
It's about connection. And so to refuse blessings from the Father and from our brothers and sisters in Christ, to refuse that is not to refuse a gift. We're rejecting one another. To receive God's blessings is to receive Him. To receive provision and blessings from one another is to receive one another. And likewise, to reject blessing is to reject the person. God wants us close to him. It's not about the gift. It's not about transaction. It's about relationship, giving and receiving. They they both have to go hand in hand. Some of us get held up and get stopped up in this kind of this receiving, we actually we stop that cycle. We bring a break to the cycle because our identity is just in kind of like serving and giving. We always want to be the one. Are you okay? Do you have what you need? How can I help you? Looking around. Okay, what? Are, and and this can be good. It's a leadership quality to be observant and aware of all things at all times to have your radar up. But when we get to the point where it becomes our identity to only be giving out and never receiving, and our identity becomes giving rather than our identity in Jesus Christ, it's not good. It can turn into a tainted motivation. It can tur- turn into a, even really a form of pride. Some of us refuse to accept things that are being put, offered to us because we have this mentality, this debt mentality. If we receive it, oh, now I'm going to have co- that constantly nagging in my mind until I give something back. It's that debt mentality. Some of us, don't accept things that into our lives because we're early in denial that we even have a need. We haven't even come to accept our own limitations, our own shortcomings. So we don't even know, oh, I do need that, and I didn't even realize that. Some of us, just we just don't want to be a bother. We don't want to trouble others. We don't want to be a burden. But I think about the scripture in the New Testament that says, Bear one another's burdens, and in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ. You can't bear one another's burdens if we're not sharing one another's burdens. And it's hard because the initiation has to come from just awareness. Uh, going back to the car accident on Monday, I kind of like hesitated. Should I, should I even text people and let them know? Or just like, everything's under control. I can text them later tonight. But I just said, well, let me, just to be praying, we don't know what's, what we're dealing with. So I started to spread the word. And this is where the provision began to pour in. We need to make each other aware of what we're dealing with. What are you struggling with? What do you need? Because if we withhold even our need, then no one can serve and supply the need. None of us are above receiving. This is where it starts. God is the initiator. He is the only one that can give without receiving. He is the ultimate source. He gives to us. Now we have something. Now we can bless someone. And as soon as we do, we'll watch more provision being poured in. And this is where Luke 6.38 comes in. As we give freely, man, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and poured over with the measure that you use. It will be measured back to you. If we can learn to receive, then we can become better givers. And really, then we become a closer connected community because it's about connection. It's about coming together. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful to you for the way that you have initiated this reconnection, just this, this, this healing of what was broken and bringing us back together. And even when it meant that you had to give 
your own self to reinstate this connection with your people, that didn't stop you. You said um, you were ready to do it. I thank you so much for that, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us as a people, especially as a community. Help us, God, to freely receive from you and accept all that you pour into our lives. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for times of, of that um, kind of self-sufficient mindset, which is really rooted in pride. Lord, help us to see ourselves more clearly, to acknowledge our own limitations, to see and recognize our own needs, and then look to you knowing that you are the great provider. And Lord, far be it from us to, to dictate where and how you will provide or through whom you will provide if you choose to provide through, through a person or through a circumstance or however you do it, that's up to you. But Lord, however you do, help us to receive it and to receive it with humility. Help us to be a people that walk in humility so that we can freely receive with grateful hearts and then turn and bless with what you've entrusted to us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.